At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Bigger Picture. Going behind the headlines of the biggest economic and political stories of the day. This is Simon Rose. Joining me for The Bigger Picture today is political commentator Mike Indian, author of the Groucho Tendency blog, and look up Groucho Marx's most famous sayings if you don't understand that one. Uh, Mike, we're going to be talking yet again about the competition for the Tory leadership, but there are other things coming, I'm glad to say. So <laughs> where do we stand? Well, we stand in a, in a contest that's been transformed in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> we've, so we've, we've morphed from the MPs race to the, uh, I think we're into week two or week three now of the uh, of the actual hustings, uh, members, Tory members haven't yet started voting. So it feels like this contest, contest is going to be a bit interminable and it can run out of steam. But uh, we have seen the emergence of, of the person who could be our our next prime minister. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, which if you look at this very anemic performance she put in early on in the contest, seemed to be very, very, very unlikely. But Ms. Truss has been winning endorsements from cabinet big hitters left, right and centre. She's had Penny Mordaunt, Sajid Javid, Ben Wallace, um, Tom Tugendhat, uh, Jake Berry, who's the leader of the influential Northern mm-hmm. Research backbench group of MPs. And she's got a commanding lead over Mr. Sunak in a lot of the opinion polls. I hate to be cynical. But are these endorsements from people who can see which way the wind is blowing and thinking, well, if she's going to be PM, I'd like to endorse quickly so I might possibly get a cabinet position? Or am I being unduly cynical there? Well, I, I, I think that the endorsement that's carried the most weight, let's, let's talk about it. Look, anyone who endorses a private ministerial candidate is hoping for a position in their cabinet. And I yeah. think Sajid Javid, Sajid Javid, who was the first person to quit Boris Johnson's cabinet and arguably wielded the knife that brought down the prime ministers of the Jeffrey Howe in this scenario, is definitely hoping for a cabinet position. Uh, on a uh, having s- seen this reflected among people I know inside the Conservative Party, I don't think Mr. Javid would be in line for a cabinet position. There's been an article in today's uh, by the very well-informed Harry Cole that says actually Mr. Javid wouldn't feature in a top team. He's had a lot of cabinet experience before, and I think Ms. Truss would probably want to reward people who've been loyaler to her. He certainly mm. wouldn't be expected to return to a department uh, less, you know, certainly not on par with the, with the Treasury. That's earmarked for Quasi Quateng, who's a close ally of, of Ms. Truss, let alone the Department for Health. It's hard to see Mr. Javid, who's held quite a lot of jobs at the top table, getting a, a position. The one I think could be very interesting and, and someone I'd fully be expecting to be retained in post is Ben Wallace because the Defence Secretary is a darling of the Conservative grassroots. He was uh, touted as a potential leadership candidate himself early on. He ruled himself out. He hasn't endorsed anybody open during the race until now and he is widely seen as, as competent for his handling of the situation in Ukraine. So that was the point in which I think his, his endorsement 
having kept his powder dry meant something. Penny Morden as well, Tom Tugan had also very significant endorsements of mistrust, especially given that uh, both were very critical of the uh, the foreign secretary and the cabinet, even though Miss Morden is still a minister inside the government. Clearly, they can see which way the wind's blowing. Mm. Tom Tugan has been connected with uh, a move to be security minister, which would suit his role quite nicely, given his background in the military. I I think Mr. Wallace would probably stay as Secretary of State for Defence. I think given he's quite popular, I think Mr. Trust probably wouldn't want to move him. I think he'd survive that transition. One of the more interesting appointments, actually, was the suggestion that if she did win, she would offer Rishi Sunak the post of Health Secretary, which is a very complicated brief. And actually, given Mr. Sunak's history of being able to manage complex brief, he was local government minister, chief secretary of the mm. Treasury, and then he was chancellor during the pandemic that might actually suit his uh, strengths as a minister but these endorsements all come with the expectation of uh, cabinet appointments of promotion yes. mr javid i sense there is something of a of a busted flush in the eyes of many especially given that in the eyes of the membership he was keen in bringing down boris johnson do you, do you feel that the, i mean how certain is it now that liz truss is going to win and if it seems fairly certain um should, given how long it's going to take, uh, interminable, you said this thing would be, which is bad enough in normal time, but we're not really in normal times. Do you think it would be incumbent upon him to step aside? You feel he would certainly not do it? Well, do you know what? If, if we it had been, A, the members haven't started voting yet. We've seen a few hustings. So there's been a the context of this is that there has been a delay in sending out the ballots. Tory members are getting two chances to vote, as we discussed last time. They're getting mm. the chance to vote by post and then vote online so they can effectively have two votes in this competition they can override their second vote so i thought that had been suspended because of the hacking risk or did i not understand that it 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 has at the start it may it may not be resumed it may mean they'll only get one vote now by by post but the selectorate the ballots haven't only just going out or meant only only just be going out this weekend so it's still in theory all to play for. And whilst Mistress has had, you know, she has improved in her performances, she's doing so, I should say, from a very low base of expectations. And we had an insight actually today into one of the problems that could bedevil her government, which was the issue of a policy announcement that she made about something quite bizarre about reducing civil servants' pay outside of London, cutting their holiday. I mean, full disclosure, I, 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 my partner is a civil mm-hmm. servant, so you know, I, I can't pretend to be neutral in this perspective. But the, the the announcement was met with, I pretty much from all sides, including on her own side, with a, with a degree of bafflement because it, it's it seemed to be something that would, uh, you know, end up cutting the pay of people who work in, you know, as one person put it in in, in job centres and then you know, you know, the DVLA and other mm-hmm. departments that sit outside government. The civil service isn't just well-paid Whitehall uh, officials in the eyes of the trust campaign too. Uh, and they had to roll back on it. The policy didn't even survive 12 hours in contact with, with the media mm. in summer recess in a, in a Tory leadership election, which she's the front runner. And she had to, she, she, it's, it's a very much an unenforced error. And I think that would have given Mr. Sunak hope. It, it's also notable that he does, although he's lacking a lot of support in the current, um, from current big hitters, he is supposed to have roughly around half of Conservative MPs behind him. He's won endorsements from William Hague, Michael Howard, lots of former leadership figures and weighty individuals are weighing in behind Mr. Sunak. So if you will, the grandees of the Tory party clearly see Mr. Mm. Sunak as the better bet. Yes. Is that to use a word that 
we had to use in an economics essay for A-level, I remember, which I've never had a chance to use in real life before. But is there a dichotomy between um, the people that the MPs would like to see as leader and the people that the members of the party would like to see? Because, I mean, I've, I've seen quite a few letters from people saying, you know, these are not the two candidates that they necessarily would have voted for. Does it seem odd to you? I know there's no perfect way of doing this. Um, and the election of the Labour leader isn't it? is by no means perfect. But is it odd for the MPs to sort of basically say, these are the only two people you can vote on to the elect membership? Or do you think it's perfectly fair? The fact that the, the MPs had a very different vision for the candidates yeah. compared to the membership is something that I think has bedeviled the past leadership contest. This isn't like the Labour Party's thing where actually you know you get four or five candidates put out, the Tory, the Tory, mem- the Tory MPs effectively choose the final two. Yes. Um, I've heard that some internal polling suggests that a lot of conservative associations could indicate the majority of members are still undecided. Because um, there are some crazy ideas that pe- people have been saying well, we should have Boris on the ballot paper as well. Well, that's an, that's an entirely different question. And <laughs> that's the, the big upset that could threaten to derail the whole contest. At the moment, if pressed, a lot of folks could have shown that people would lean, the Tory members would lean towards trust. But Rishi Sunak is meant to be holding the support of uh, more of the MPs. And don't forget, those are the ones that are actually going to be the key constituency in office. The the also the other thing to remember is that there there's apparently a large amount of whipping operations going being undertaken by Rishi Sunak supporting MPs around the country to try and persuade members to switch side, arguing that whether it's right or not, the best prime minister, in their words, has to have the backing of the parliamentary party. I can't see that argument cutting much mustard with the the Tory grassroots. And there's lots of focus on Liz Truss's roles early on in government, yes. um, not so much her recent stuff, because she doesn't have a lot of... Uh, she has a lot of ministerial experience, but she, it's a question of whether or not it's seen as yes. a strength. It, well, let's, let, should we move on from this, Mike? Because mm. we're still going to be talking about it in two weeks' time, mm. we absolutely, yeah. we, unless there's something happens. And when is it? When is it uh, actually finished? Early September. Well, we have still got, as of today, we still got just over a month ago. Oh, so let's at least one Mike, more topic. Let's take a breather and we'll we'll <laughs> we'll change topic. Not that you're ever going to run out of anything to say on it, I realise, <laughs> but just so people don't get too fed up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. You're listening to The Bigger Picture on Share Radio. I'm in conversation with political commentator Mike Indian. Um, Let's move on then. We're going to um, discuss, I think, the visit to Taiwan of uh, Nancy Pelosi. Um, Whether it was wise, how the Chinese regard it, and everything thereof. Well, so as we speak, there are... um, some of the the biggest ever live fire exercises taking place in the areas in the seas around Taiwan. Um, this is in response to the visit of uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, to Taipei, mm-hmm. in spite of warnings by Beijing. 
some of the exercises have come within just 12 miles of, of Taiwan's uh, shores, the closest that the exercises have ever been. The reason this is controversial is that Nancy Pelosi is the most senior American um, politician to visit Taiwan in many, many years. There is a The US has always walked a very fine line between not formally recognizing Taiwan, but also supporting it, a lot of the weapons. Mm provided um, for, for those people who aren't aware Taiwan is a self-ruled enclave an island about 100 miles off from mainland China uh, which is which would describe itself as the the, the last vestiges of a, of a democratically ruled China which the Chinese Communist Party would describe as a breakaway province mm. uh, there are we haven't got time to go through the whole history of this as well and in many ways it's quite remarkable that taiwan has is a flourishing democratic state on the doorstep of the world's largest communist power but the the most recent developments are they they show a, te- a tension between the between in sino-american relations that has been there it certainly started under Obama, has continued under Donald Trump, and now is continuing under the Biden administration. Now, of course, according to separation of powers, Nancy Pelosi represents Congress. She's not there representing the U.S. government. And of- what was the reason for her visit? Because it wasn't sanctioned by. I mean, Biden was critical, wasn't he? No, it wasn't. So, uh, P- Pelosi's visit is undoubtedly intended to be a show of support for Taiwan. It's something that the U.S. has to maintain this policy of constructive ambiguity towards the towards the um towards the province mm. as before because of the economic and uh political muscle the chinese can deploy but the west is undoubtedly supportive of taiwan and it's and it's right to be seen as an independent country but it's it's a question of whether or not this came as a smart move at this time. So Nancy Pelosi came as part of a wider tour of Asia. It was, Miss Pelosi said, she justified her visit by saying that China cannot prevent world leaders or anyone from traveling to Taiwan to pay respect to its flourishing democracy and to highlight its many successes and to reaffirm our, our continued commitment to collaboration. Well, that may be true, but it isn't necessarily wise for her to do it. I mean, is it exactly the same role as the Speaker of the House of Commons? Uh, no. So the the, the Speaker in, in the US House of Representatives is the most senior Democrat, senior politician in Congress. They're actually second in line to the US presidency behind the vice president. So they have it. They have it. They're, they're effectively the third most senior official right. in, the, in, the, in the various branches of the US government, whether it be Obviously, you've got the executive branch, then you've got legislative, then you've got the Supreme Court as well. So this this would be equivalent to in our in our it wouldn't be equivalent to Lindsay Hoyle going at all. It would be equivalent to the leader of the opposition in this country going over there, or right. a yes, senior yes. a senior cabinet minister yes. ignoring a, 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 an order from the prime minister not to visit. But obviously, if it's from Taiwan's perspective, it will be a welcome. It will be a welcome thing to see the uh, the 82 year old head speaker present. I'm, I'm reluctant to say whether or not it's it's a right or wrong move because on the one hand, 
this it just shows there's no simple answer for this because if it was simply a case of recognizing Taiwan, the West would have done it by now. But China can make Taiwan's life incredibly difficult in mm. the short term, as as we're seeing today. But this is a key test. This is the test of you know the Chinese the Chinese have to flex their muscles. They have to help and puff from their perspective. And the one China policy, which is basically recognizing that although there are two different uh, providences, they recognize the US only recognizes one government mm. effectively, which is the Chinese government as well. Whether or not this this was done to give political cover to Joe Biden, who has a lot of experience in front of it, can't be said. In the short term, though, it's, it is going to further put the strain on Sino-Western relations. And whilst a robust and official relationship is in place, it does hamper Taiwan's recognition and it is still a key Western ally as well. So perhaps in the long run, Nancy Pelosi's visit will be shown to be wise, but it will come with serious repercussions mm-hmm. in the short run. I mean, many commentators have been saying that the, the, the Putin's invasion of Ukraine might embolden China in relation to Taiwan. Do you think that has anything to do with this, or is it the the tendency of authoritarian leaders to flex their muscles? I think has been marked by a perceived weakness, particularly of America on the world stage. I mean, we talked about a lot about the damage that Donald Trump had done from the America First policy, but actually Joe Biden's withdrawal from mm. Afghanistan, the, the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan was probably, in my mind, the, you know, the, the equivalent of you know, the last chopper out of Saigon, as it yes. were, in terms of the, in, the modern impact. I don't think you've seen such a retreat of Western values in our time. But, uh, it, there isn't an obvious hold for Western leaders to turn to now. I mean, obviously, multilateral institutions like the EU have continued under threat. And we've even seen on our own doorstep how authoritarian leaders, you know, Xi Jinping behaves very differently to other Chinese leaders as well. Mm. You know, he's, his idea, he, has, he has written his own doctrine, Xi thought, into the guiding principles of China. He, he's effectively written, he has become president for life in the same way that Putin has. And even this week, the UK government has has taken itself off. Uh, the UK Parliament has taken itself off TikTok uh, as part of a an ongoing a phrase. Round. I bet you never thought you'd say. Well, you know, I can't try to. I can't imagine that the UK Parliament was ever particularly dynamic on TikTok. But I'm sure seri- all the young people were following it assiduously. The, the serious point is, though, that the um, there was there was part of ongoing questions around how the Chinese yeah. government interacts with the West, passing of data and values, industrial espionage of which Taiwan is only a very small but very important component. Hmm. Well, let's um, move on then, Mike. Um, we're going to talk, I think, now about the cost of, cost of living. Mike. Oh, yes. yes. So, so. The, um, I was, I, the reason for my silence is that it's. I'm just looking at the, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee report, so we're recording this on the day that we've had the largest um, interest rate increase in <laughs> decades. Uh, interest rates have just gone up to 1.75%. Yes. For context, in December 2021, they were 0.1% as well. The Bank of England is forecasting as well that inflation could rise to 13%, which is the highest since the early 80s. Energy bills will go up to about £3,500, and the UK economy could enter recession for as much as five quarters in, in levels that are consistent with uh, the 1990s uh, contraction. The the outlook is that GDP growth in the UK is slowing. There's been Im- impact from the latest gas price rises as well, and yeah. we're projected to enter 
a recession in the fourth quarter of this year. Yes, we I'm not, and, well, there are many, of course. Who, I mean, we shouldn't get into the, the, the economic side of it because we're talking about politics. But yeah. um, as many um, uh, economists who follow uh, money supply, the Bank of England is tightening the money, uh, is actually raising interest rates as money supply is, is, um, is tightening. Um, so that's the increasing the chances of recession. We were, we were talking earlier about the, the chances of a trust government coming in. So mm. the, the, although this is the big dividing line, the Tory leadership election, the immediate political response to these inflationary pressures. Now, mm. if an inflation, it's, going to, it's projected to still be at 9% in 12 months' time. But with the squeeze coming on real household post-tax income mm. falling sharply at the end of this year in, in 2023, Liz Trust is going to see that as justification for cutting taxes, whereas most economists agree that that would have an inflation effect. Even Patrick uh, Minford, who is the only economist, uh, as I know, who's publicly supporting her, he thinks that interest rates would rise to 7% here as well. So the chances of the government's response fueling further inflation are incredible. And, and, and you've spoken before, Simon, how you feel the Bank of England's estimates on inflation are often behind the curve. So we could be looking at inter- inflation rates that we haven't even seen before not since the uh, not since the early 80s not since the 1970s yes. Yes. And, a time when an interest rate of 1.7 percent from the bank of england would have been absolutely wonderful but yeah i mean I, 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 as you know i mean i'm i'm not necessarily in favor of the bank of england even deciding the price of money i think it's the main um price indicator in the market it should never be decided by you know nine people in a in a room i think it's crazy but we've had really low interest rates since the financial crisis the bank of england's chance to uh, return things to normal um being completely missed all the way along and now of course the pain of any rise is going to be that much greater i mean mervyn but, king has said this to the to the parliamentary committees hasn't he mm. but um of course you know it's easy for him now he's no longer got that job we must also remember that the bank's assumptions are predicated on fiscal policy evolving in line with the existing government announcements. It will change no matter who the yeah. prime minister is coming in. Rishi said that would, well, what is pledged to cut taxes in the longer run as well. There's also the energy price cap as well. It Ofgem is projected, according to the bank, to raise its price cap by 75% in October. That would uh, take annual fuel bills to nearly three and a half thousand pounds, which is three times higher than 12 months before. So again, this cost of living crisis becomes the main mm. part of whatever government is in office. Uh, it also, I think, probably be the biggest political test for a Trussell Sunak administration. Um, Rishi Sunak is doing a lot of expectation management and it, it won't win him the Tory leadership, but it might buy him more credibility in the short term. I can foresee a scenario not unlike what happened in the in the in the uh, in the three day working week in in nineteen in almost fifty years earlier with Ted Heath having to go to the country to ask who governs and the trust government doing the same thing when its responses mm. are pushing up inflation. And also, if she lacks that support and confidence among Tory MPs, they could defenestrate her just as easily. As they did Boris Johnson, and she hasn't won that election. It's, it's, and it's not in that. Yes, another Tory leadership. Well, election. it's it's not. Do you know what? I wouldn't put I wouldn't put money against Mr. Johnson being back in office in a year's time. In that context, I think if you know, in that sense, the Tories if they're facing electoral defeat, they would turn to their great election winner again, irrespective of whatever that would be. But this this crisis has the potential I think, to do mm. immense political damage as well, not yeah. just to the Conservative Party, but to faith in our political systems as well yeah i think mike before we finish you want to talk about um 
Lord Tremble. Um, yes. So, uh, so there's there's gener- I'm an, I'm from a curious generation of people that grew up at the um, at the tail end of the of the Norman troubles and, and got to see the the development of a peace process. And although we spend a lot of time nowadays talking about the DUP and the role, actually the, the, the main reason that the unionist community were able to rally behind the Devolves Network was due to the leadership of the UUP, the Austin Unionist Party, under David Trimble, who served as the first First Minister of Northern Ireland. He got the, he was jointly awarded the uh, Nobel Peace Prize for his work on this, along with the Alliance Party, he leaves his sad passing leaves behind an extraordinary legacy and a, and a reminder that, uh, although I think we take you know political, we grumble about political uh, stalemate at storm up too often, the fact that the executive and assembly are functioning, the fact the DUP came around supporting it, and then Ian Paisley, the Doctor No of Union, and then became first minister was due to the fact that. Trimble, David Trimble blazed a trailway of cross-community cooperation and left a remarkable legacy of peace that has, I was talking to somebody uh, who I work with who is a young person from Northern Ireland and they were saying to me that they had they didn't agree with Trimble's politics but they, they, they were indebted to him because they felt that because of him they'd grown up in a world which which had been completely alien to their parents, which, you know, there wasn't, yes. there weren't checkpoints on the streets. There weren't, there wasn't the same degree of threat of uh, sectarian violence. And although the problems remain in Northern Ireland, David Trimble was somebody who went a long way towards rectifying it. It's fundamentally as, as, you know, contemporary Tony Blair said that he was proof that politics can be a force for good irrespective of whatever and also that working with people who disagree with you is fundamentally the best way to get anything done and i think that's a legacy that we can all learn from and that he should be very proud of mike thank you very much indeed i've been in conversation with mike indian political commentator author of the groucho tendency blog mike i hope will be back with me in a fortnight's time uh, and tim evans will be with me next week that's it for the bigger picture <laughs> The Bigger Picture, going behind the headlines of the biggest economic and political stories of the day.